With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? Oh, all the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, emergency podcast time, and that's what happens when you have 24 hours of craziness uh, in the aftermath of the Teofimo Lopez purse bid. If you're looking for anything on the Canelo fight, you're looking to hear from Canelo, you're looking to hear from Eddie Hearn, you're looking to hear from Oscar Valdez, I suggest you listen to the previous podcast, which came out on Friday morning. We're recording this Friday afternoon from Miami as the dust is settling on the Lopez-Cambosis purse bid. To talk about that, and break it all down from every different crazy angle. It's Keith Eideck, friend of the pod, BoxingScene.com. Uh, Keith, let's right, let's unpack this layer by layer here, right? And I guess let's start with Triller winning the bid. Triller, this not fledgling, I guess it is kind of a fledgling music app, but definitely new to boxing, uh, comes in you know months after putting on the Mike Tyson Roy Jones exhibition match, which was incredibly successful for them, did, I think, in the neighborhood of 2 million buys overall. Uh, they jump in and are getting into real boxing, you know, active boxing, and they make a bid of $6 million. For context, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing, DAZN, they bid $3.5 million. Top Rank, which is the promoter of Teofimo Lopez, did just over $2 million. Uh, so Triller comes in and blows everyone away with its offer. Give me your reaction to what Triller did on Thursday. I wasn't entirely surprised, Chris, that Triller came in and won the bid because there were a lot of rumors circulating that they were going to bid. I was a little surprised by how much they bid. Now, their perspective on it was just to bid so much that there was no way that they were going to lose because the last thing that they would have wanted to do was to bid and lose. So I think that's why it would, they overbid by so much, which is a great thing for Tiafimo Lopez and George Cambosis. I mean, it's, uh, you know, career high purses for both guys, more money than George Cambosis has ever come close to making for a fight, and, and Teofimo Lopez as well. So uh, so great for the fighters, not so great for the fans. You now have to, now, it's now a pay-per-view fight, and you have to 
I don't. They haven't set the price point yet. But when they do, suddenly a fight that you thought either would be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, or DAZN is now going to cost you if you decide to buy it seventy bucks, sixty-five bucks, something in that neighborhood. So that's not good for the fans at all. Do you understand what Triller's motivation is here? I mean, with Tyson Jones, you kind of knew what they were trying to tap into. They're also going with the YouTubers, the Jake Pauls mm-hmm. and, and others trying to tap into that market. Do you believe this signals the beginning of Triller's attempt to expand into real boxing? And this may be more than just a one-off with Lopez and Cambosis. When you spend that kind of money, and I realize that it's a deep-pocketed company, but when you spend that kind of money, that would certainly seem to be the case, that they're going to get involved in real boxing in some sort of uh, substantial way. The problem, of course, is they don't have any fighters under contract, and there are only so many purse bids that you're going to win, and it's certainly not normal for a fight, you know, for a fighter of Tiafimo Lopez's stature to get into a purse bid situation. So I don't know what kind of impact they could make, uh, certainly immediately, the way that the zone did a few years ago. Um, it's a little, honestly, it seems a little odd to me because I don't know what the end game is. I, I don't know what their path toward becoming a real player in boxing is because there are not that many free agents or, or any really of any note at the moment. Uh, so I so maybe they wait for a few contracts to expire and start, um, you know, offering these guys major money. But Which then, is a song we've seen sung before when Rock Nation came into the right, business. Right. And threw money at Andre Ward and Miguel Cotto and mm. even like Bryant Jennings was one of those yeah. guys. That didn't work out for Rock Nation. And plus a lot of the platforms have basically closed doors because they have content deals specifically with one promoter. So which platform are they going to work with? I mean, they're not going to work with Fox or Showtime or ESPN. There's no more and as HBO. we've seen, not everything's a pay-per-view, man. Like, you know, right, right. you put stuff on pay-per-view, yeah. uh, there's a real chance if it's alone, it dies on the table. Yeah, and, and this fight, you know, again, congratulations to Tiafimo Lopez, terrific kid, and George Cambos is a very nice guy, and it's great for them. Not great for boxing because it's going to cost fans money to watch a fight that should not be on pay-per-view. Um, and how many of those fights can you do and what return on your investment are you getting if you're going to continue overpaying and, and putting fights that don't belong on pay-per-view on that platform? I honestly, too, feel like there may be a brewing battle with Teofimo over where they place this fight. Um, you know, I initially heard some Tyson Holyfield stuff that seems to have uh, gone by the wayside. You've got the YouTubers that are out there, uh, fights they're putting on. But, you know, Teofimo texted me and said, I'm not the co-main anywhere. Like, so... I mean, I wonder what happens if they say to him, like, we want you to be the Cobain for Jake Paul versus whomever mm. at some point in the next three months. That could be something they have to, they might have to figure out. I had heard a lot of the same things, Chris, that it was going to be on the Tyson Holyfield undercard or one of these other undercards. And, but then I kept thinking to myself, well, why would you pay that much money? Now, at that point, I didn't know how much money they were going to bid, but certainly they would have bid three million four million dollars to win the fight at a minimum so why would you pay that much money for an undercard fight when people are going to buy tyson holyfield anyway it doesn't add much value to an under to that type of event that's more for casual fans and and uh you know non-hardcore boxing fans i didn't understand the point of it um 
and as you said, Tiafimo Lopez does not feel like he should be fighting on anyone's undercard. At the same time, if someone's paying you three, nearly $4 million, you're going to fight when they say to fight. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the top-ranked side of this now. And even before the purse bid, Bob Arum was just trashing this fight. He was explaining, they did it on this podcast, uh, explaining that you know the reason they're not willing to bid the money Tiafimo Lopez is looking for is this is not a quality fight. Now, he was saying it could be 40 to 1, 50 to 1 in favor of Tiafimo. That might be a little bit outlandish when it comes to uh, betting odds. But the idea that the promoter of a guy that is fresh off a fighter of the year campaign would slap around his next fight is inconsequential. You know, Keith, you've been covering this as long or longer than I have. Like, what did you make of Bob just beating the bag out of his own fighter? It's certainly an unusual tack to take, Chris. I've, you know, Bob Bold has, move, Cotton. That's bold. A bold move, Cotton. <laughs> On the Ocho. Um, it's it's bizarre to be honest. You know, Bob says a lot of uh, interesting things and is certainly gold for our purposes. Either either on a podcast or on on a television set or on our website or whatever. I mean, he's you know he says a lot of um, provocative things and everything. But uh, but the way he has treated Tiafimo Lopez, um, not not always publicly, but certainly more publicly recently and and the way he treated Terrence Crawford after Crawford's fight against Kell Brook I just found it odd because these are your most marketable commodities as fighters and to have these kind of contentious relationships with them while I understand it's a business and you have to do what's best for your bottom line I don't know that aggressively going after them in the press is the way to go about it you're trying to you know maintain good relationships with them uh, you can ma- try to make them understand as best you can the business behind the scenes. Um, but openly, now he hasn't bashed Lopez as a fighter because what possibly could you say negative about Tiafimo Lopez after his career-defining win against uh, Vasily Lomachenko? And he really didn't trash Crawford as a fighter either. It's more, you know, Crawford can be difficult at times and it doesn't help his own cause in terms of promotion. Whereas Tiafimo Lopez is is about as accessible and... Uh, and helpful toward promoting his brand and, and in, to an extent, top ranks brand as any fighter you could imagine. So it's it's baffling to me that they've gone about it in this way, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, the kid, the bottom line is the kid took short money. I'm not crapping on $1.25 million. It's a lot of money, but it was short money to fight arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. He took that risk, he won the fight, and now he expects to be compensated appropriately, and they're refusing to do it. I do agree that George Cambosis is not a, a high-profile opponent. It's a mandatory. But if he's going to remain at 135 pounds, it's a mandatory for the IBF that he has to get out of the way, so he has to fight him. The one thing I will say, though, Chris, is if he if his plan is to move up to 140 pounds and he doesn't think that he can remain at the lightweight limit for much longer and he's not going to get the fights against Devin Haney, Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, the fights at lightweight that people want to see, then I could see the other side of it being, well, then why are you fighting at 135 pounds in a mandatory fight anyway? Tiafimo thinks that he can continue making it for another fight or two, and maybe he wants to see if he can really get one of those guys in the ring. But if ultimately he winds up moving up to 140 after this fight, it turned out great financially for him, but what was the point of it all? 
Yeah. You, I mean, hindsight, you could say, you know, why are we going through these motions if it's just a mandatory? Why don't you just, you know, move on to a different fight? Although, you know, TFEMA will now turn around and be like, I'm cashing a big fat check right. <laughs> thanks to uh, my friends, my new friends uh, over at Triller. I, I, what I found odd with all this is that there was a divide financially between TFEMA and Top Rank, but it wasn't like it's $5 million apart. Mm. Like, I don't know. My understanding was like if they had goosed the offer by a million dollars, like mm-hmm. all in with everything, they probably could have gotten this fight done. Yeah. Right around two and a half, three, somewhere between two and a half, three million dollars total could have gotten this fight done. ESPN has a contract with them, which gives them $84 million to make fights. And they've goosed stuff before. Like you go back to ESPN saying, we don't want to lose this guy to, I'm sure they wouldn't have guessed Triller at the time, but we don't want to lose this guy to DAZN. Can you give us a little bit of extra money? They've got the money. Like, did it surprise you that they were so firm on the numbers that they're willing to pay for Teofimo Lopez? It did surprise me, Chris, and I go back to what I said earlier about him taking the risk before for short money against Lomachenko and then expecting to be compensated. And look, he wasn't... He's, Teofimo Lopez said a lot of things to me, to you, and to other people about wanting $5 million for his next fight, $10 million for his next fight. He was just doing that. To, he didn't really expect to be paid $10 million to fight George Cambosis. If the fight were in Australia where they thought they could generate a bigger crowd and, and therefore make more money, yes, he would have been he would have been paid more and he would have expected to be paid more understandably, but he wasn't looking for $5 million for this fight. So as you mentioned, Chris, the way it was explained to me from people on both sides of it was that if they would have bid just overall somewhere between 3.1 and $3.4 million on the fight, which was less than the zone bid, not, not bid. If they would have offered that type of money before they got to the bid, they could have wrapped up the deal because Lopez was not, to my understanding, not being unreasonable. He just wanted to to be paid what he thought was fair. And between what you would have had to pay him and Cambosis, who was also not being unreasonable, I didn't think, uh, you could have gotten the fight done for maybe, you know, probably around a million dollars more than they wound up bidding. And as you said, if you have $84 million at your disposal during a year, you should be able to figure that out and then deal maybe with the consequences later. You know, maybe it would have impacted them not making uh, a good fight that they wanted to put on ESPN. Maybe it would have later in the year, but that happens oftentimes. You know, you get toward the end of the year and you just can't make this fight, so it gets pushed back. And it doesn't just happen to ESPN and top rank. It happens at Showtime and Fox, other places. You know, and then you just move the fight back into the beginning of the next year. But I don't think it was worth it to go through this knockdown drag out thing with Lopez, which is now maybe ruined their relationship uh, in the long term. Was it worth it for for a million bucks? I, I don't know. Aram's position after he grumbled about everything has been that they've got three and a half years left on their contract with Teofimo Lopez. He'll do this fight on Triller and he comes back. Do you believe it's as simple as that? Or do you think they're, could be lingering issues or will be lingering issues between Tiafimo and Top Rank? I think there will be lingering issues and bad feelings among them, but I don't think contractually he has uh, any recourse, meaning Tiafimo Lopez, to get out of his contract. I mean, they did bid on the fight. They were willing to pay him what is stipulated in his contract as the minimum. They were willing to pay him that. It wasn't like they were you know, if his minimum is $1.25 million, they were trying to pay him 500000 or anything. I mean, they were they were willing to pay him that. And ultimately what they bid, 
um, he would have gotten, I, I did the math last night, I think it was maybe $1.5-ish million out of the uh, purse bid. So they were actually willing to pay him over uh, what his minimum was. So I don't think he has any um, a- anything to stand on in terms of uh, litigation. And plus, it worked out better. What would he do if he went to court? Oh, well, they screwed me, and I made $4 million in my next fight. I mean, it worked out perfectly for him. So now, but that's kind of what I don't understand from, while they made some sort of splash here, Triller, in getting this fight, what is the end game? Because they have no contractual rights to Tiafimo Lopez uh, after this fight. And if George Gambosis pulls off what would be an enormous upset, they don't have any contractual rights to him either. So so what is the point? I, I, I'm kind of lost as to what they're doing. Uh, now, I, I understand the YouTube fights, and there is some... Look, we, you and I spoke about this on the podcast multiple times last year, Chris, and I've admitted uh, repeatedly that I was wrong in, in um, guesstimating how many people would be interested in Tyson Jones. Uh, but And people are interested in these YouTube guys and, you know, Nate Robinson fighting Jake Paul. And all, that people are interested in it, so they're going to continue doing it, which, which I understand. But getting involved in real boxing as a one-off or every once in a while, I, I don't really know the, what, what the deal is with that. I would, as a piece of, um, not free advice, but just a bit of information for the folks at Triller, uh, I think you can get older people to buy a pay-per-view with Tyson Jones. The YouTube guys, their fans, very sophisticated. And they pirate stuff. Like <laughs> They... Yeah. If it's a show headlined by Jake Paul or Logan Paul or any of these guys with a million fans or millions of fans, what you're going to see leading up to it are astronomical numbers on YouTube that will make you believe that there will be an influx of buys that you've never seen before. And then you get to fight night and you'll have some buys like DAZN had subscriptions for the Logan Paul fight. But you can have a lot of these kids, and they are kids that follow these guys, mm-hmm. just find ways to stream it, to illegally stream it. That's just, I don't condone it by any stretch. I think it's bullshit in a lot of ways. But, you know, be careful what you think you're getting with some of these YouTube guys. I, I just don't think you're going to get the bang for your buck that you're looking for there. Yeah, and, and that's why it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit when the demographics above the 18 to 49 age range are kind of discarded i'm like those are the people with more money Mm -hmm. you know not that 40 something year olds don't have money disposable income but those are the you know generally people over 49 are not stealing it they're paying for it right in some capacity you know so it you know like you said more tech savvy people and younger they don't know what periscope is or right right (laughs) and 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 to some extent they don't want to go through the bs they want to put it on their tv and watch it and if it costs them 75 dollars, they're fine with it so be it and they just do it whereas you know younger people and i understand i was 18 years old but didn't have you know we we've all been in that position where Mm -hmm. we had less disposable income and you're like well you know what this is both this is a terrible fight and i you know i don't really want to pay for it i'm going to figure out a way to get it that's sort of on the industry having not figured out enough sufficient ways to prevent piracy, that's kind of on them. It's a Mm -hmm. risk that they take in doing it, and they haven't really, as far as I can tell, done a great job of preventing it, so people are going to continue doing it. The final layer to this is the outrage that people at Top Rank are showing now at Eddie Hearn and at DAZN. Um, You know, for weeks, Top Rank believed that they had convinced DAZN not to bid. Bob was on my podcast last week. I asked him outright. I said, do you believe Eddie Hearn and DAZN are going to bid? 
he said, I believe Eddie and DeZone will do the right thing, implying that no, they weren't going to bid. Meanwhile, you've talked to Eddie leading up to it. I've talked to Eddie leading up to it. I think he was always going to bid. Like, I think yeah. he's been in, he understands. Like, that's a good fight for DeZone if they can get it at, you know, three-ish million dollars like they bid. It's, there's value for, yeah. for DeZone to have the fighter of the year, a top five pound-for-pound guy uh, fighting as part of their broader schedule. There is a plan uh, with putting Lopez there, even if he is just a one-off uh, for them. But, you know, our friend Mike Coppinger wrote a good piece on The Athletic today kind of outlining uh, what happened there, the back and forth, where Todd Dubuff suggested to DeZone, like, you know, don't do this. You know, we're we're moving off May 8th for you, you know, because so, you have Canelo and we have Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor which, by the way, is nonsense. You're moving off May 8th because it helps your bottom line yeah. because you don't... I mean, Ramirez-Taylor is not doesn't need to be on Cinco de Mayo weekend. Yeah. Like, let's stop with that. I guess that's... As I kind of sort of lay it all out there, like, wh- what do you make of the, 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 the animosity and the anger that Top Rank is now showing towards Eddie and DeZone? It, uh, another thing that's sort of baffling to me because, as you said, Eddie had said all along that as long as DeZone provided the financial backing at, to bid on the fight, he was going to bid on it. He, that was no secret. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why, you know, Todd or, or Bob thought because they sent emails or whatever that that was going to prevent that from happening. And, and it's also kind of strange that the, I think Eddie Hearn kind of put it in in the best context that you could yesterday. I spoke to him after all this. You know, he he was not happy with a lot of the things that Bob said, and he made that very clear in the in the quotes that he gave me for the story that's on Boxing Scene today. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he said, "Well, well, it was it's an open market. You guys decided we wouldn't be in this situation if you had just made the deal with your fighter. It's not like we did something to screw you to get into this situation. You're allowing it to get the purse bid. We're just following what's normal operating procedure in boxing." The, the the our broadcaster or streaming service in this case thinks that it can bring value to our streaming service, which I'm not entirely sold on because yes, you would bring Tiafimo Lopez to the zone for one fight, but then you don't have anything with him thereafter. And this is again not a high profile fight. He's going to be an enormous favorite in the fight. Will people watch it? Of course, because he's one of the biggest stars in the sport. Um, but if you don't have anything with him thereafter where you're going to put him on the zone again, I don't know that it's worth the investment in him. So maybe in in the long run, this was just probably better off for the zone that Triller came in with this crazy bid and, and it's not going to be there. But but I but they didn't do anything wrong, mm. I guess is the short answer, Chris. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what they did. There's nothing unethical about it. There's nothing. It's it's competition in business. So, you know, what it doesn't make any sense to me, like what why they're carrying on sort of the way that they are Uh, like bob says a lot of things to me some you know that surprise me sometimes but i was surprised by his quotes yesterday that we're gonna we're gonna shove a bid up eddie hearn's ass i'm like well you're not let me let me get into that you're you're not even bidding on your own fight you know this is this is what i'm talking about like vengeance in the mind of bob is to overpay for Demetrius Andre and Liam Williams. Like, that's what, what I mean. are we I mean, doing? Like, like that's like it doesn't it, it doesn't calculate. It, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense when he says. Look, he's basically saying we don't think Tiafimo Lopez, who we built into a star, is worth the money. Mm. But as you said, 
but we'll go bid on yeah the most recent one was Demetrius Andrade and Liam Williams we're gonna go bid on that you think and if, then do what with it you think if if top rank bid a million and a half more for Andrade versus Williams I, I have to believe Eddie would smile and wish Andrade good good fortune going over across the street for one fight I think you're a hundred percent right Chris and that's also what's a little bizarre about this top rank from people that I've spoken to internally with top, including Bob. They're actually happy from a financial standpoint because they're not having to shell out what they thought was too much money for this Lopez-Cambosis fight. And their 20% equates to about $782,000 from this fight. So they're going to make almost $800,000 for doing nothing. Not that that's going to make or break top rank or ESPN or Bob or For top rank, that's a nice chunk of change that you get for doing nothing. And Bob can, I'm sure Triller wants Bob at their press conferences. Bob enhances the promotion for a fight. So Mm -hmm. he can still do his thing and cash a check instead of writing checks. I don't, the outrage, it, it baffles me. For sure. Well, in one breath, you're saying, thank you for doing this. We didn't want to have this financial responsibility. But how dare the guy who lost... Thank you to the person who won the bid. But the guy who lost the bid, you're going to get it. Mm. But that doesn't make any sense. Do you think... Last thing on this. Do you think that... Like, you're never going to see Canelo go to purse bid. Or the high, high profile guys. Crawford's not going to purse bid. Errol Spence isn't going to purse bid. But, you know... You got a lot of young guys at 130 and 135 and even below. Do you think you'll see guys in their management say, you know, let's, if we can't get a deal we absolutely love, there's no real danger in going to purse bid. Um, and I use like Ryan Garcia as an example. Like Ryan Garcia, mm-hmm. not that he has a mandatory or any stretch, but you know, I mean, theoretically, you could, you know, have the WBC order negotiation with Devin Haney or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do you roll the dice and say, look, I'm not getting the money I want? I We'll take my chances at a purse bid, and maybe a triller comes along, or you know, even you get Golden Boy or Eddie Hearn to overbid for it. I, that that was one of my takeaways. Like you're, you're never going to see the big, big, big stars do this, but I wonder if you'll see more try, given that there doesn't appear to be a big downside. Before I answer that question, Chris, I'm going to uh, uh, another thing that I can't quite understand is why the WBC would sanction Ryan Garcia. To, f- to fight Luke Campbell for the interim WBC title, and then he wins the fight, and they're not mandating that he fight Devin Haney, which was the whole point of them fighting for the interim title to begin with, and he hasn't been stripped of that interim title either. Which they'll never do, because they, they want his Instagram fans more than... Right, and they, and they well, and more so they want his sanctioning fee, whatever Correct, his purse yeah. is. You know, they, of course, Chris, I mean, that's, that's all they're about is the sanctioning Although fee, I wouldn't be course, surprised but, if Ryan dumped that interim belt into a dumpster. If right, but gets, why ha- yeah. if he has no intention of fighting Devin Haney anytime soon, which it seems like he does not, I don't know why he wouldn't have already done that. But I also don't understand the point. I, I guess maybe they felt like they couldn't get Luke Campbell into the fight without the interim title, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, but... Why would you have done that? Why would you have gone through all that and paid the sanctioning fee if you had no intention of fighting Devin Haney? That doesn't make sense to me either. But as it pertains to Ryan Garcia specifically, if he were ever in a situation where he would get to purse bid, he's another fighter because of his social media following and his popularity among non-boxing fans, you know, maybe some younger in the you know younger demographic that doesn't have a lot of disposable income, but he's still very popular. So I could see Triller, if they got into that situation, certainly bidding a lot of money on one of his fights. But I don't know that Golden Boy and DAZN, after everything, particularly that Golden Boy has been through with losing Canelo, 
would put themselves in a position where they could potentially lose Ryan Garcia, even if it were just for one fight, to Triller or whomever might come in with a lot of money. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, one other thing, you put out a tweet afterwards about the sanctioning fees that Teofimo is paying in something like this. And I just, you know, I, I had forgotten about it and you just shake your head that he's going to wind up paying, what, 12% of his purse right. to defend his four versions of the title. I mean, that's a big chunk of change too. With 20% going to top rank, another 12 going to uh, the sanctioning fees, management, trainers, things like that. I mean, he's got to be at over 40% going out the door to somebody else. And he's still going to wind up making good money, career high money. But this is why I, and I said this, I actually said this to, to Mark Castro, young kid who's fighting on the card. I'm like, man, if you ever get like a title, don't try to unify. Don't even keep like, fuck these titles. Like just, you, you guys work too hard and you put yourself in too much danger to see 12% of your purse go out the window for an undisputed championship. You work too hard, frankly, for 3% of your purse mm -hmm. to go out for a championship. They want... Five or they want if you're a big fighter and they want five thousand bucks, all right, you write them a check if you want to. But mm -hmm. that's where I draw the line, man. Like that, that, yeah. that 12 percent. When you tweeted that out, I'm like, oh man, I forgot about that. And that's just a, an extraordinary amount of money. Well, usually what happens, and that's what's so interesting about this dynamic now with top rank and Tiafimo Lopez. Ordinarily, if you're in a situation where you're defending four titles or you're fighting for four titles, you, you have two, your opponent has two, or whatever, usually the uh, sanctioning bodies will negotiate with you. To get it down from the standard 3%, sometimes you might pay 2 sometimes you might pay less than 2 and you just come to some fee where they all accept it and they move forward and they take less lesser money, but still a lot of money out of your purse. Usually the promoter does that negotiating because they have the relationships with the sanctioning bodies. The fighters typically don't. Now... Tiafimo Lopez is fighting on another platform. He's not fighting on ESPN. He's not really fighting in a top-ranked promoted fight. I would not expect in this case for Tiafimo Lopez to have top rank at his, you know, to have his back and to negotiate this down. That's why I was led to believe he would still pay 12%, you know, 3% a piece for four titles. Mm -hmm. He's the franchise champion of the WBC. I don't think that's going to matter much in terms of making the percentage lower. So he's going to wind up paying. Now, the the cap in these fights, it, it's around $500,000. That is the maximum that they'll pay mm -hmm. even in a uh, in one of these situations. I'm glad they made a nice but, cap at $500,000. Right. I'm glad I mean, they that, could that, take that's, $500,000. That's nice of them. You know, that's 500, charitable. But it's, it, and, and as it relates to why we're in Miami here, Chris, uh, Canelo Alvarez is going to pin. He's fighting for two You know, the, this is the WBC mandatory defense against Avni Yildirim. And he's also defending the WBA title that he won from Callum Smith two months ago. Altogether, he's going to pay about $500,000 in sanctioning fees two months after paying about $500,000 in sanctioning fees. In two months, like a slightly more than a two-month span, Canelo Alvarez will pay roughly $1 million in sanctioning fees. And then you have people saying, well, just give up the title. And not if you paid a million dollars, you're not going to get mm -hmm. his His thing is, and I understand it, he wants to become the undisputed super middleweight champion. He's got two down and two to go. And he's willing to pay these mm -hmm. fees. Do any of us want to see him fight Avni Yildirim? Of course not. But this was part of the agreement that he made with the WBC, as you well know, to to fight him in his next fight. He's getting it out of the way 10 weeks later. I just, there's so many critics of Canelo, and, and I understand some of the criticism in years past. 
you, you almost have to give him a pass on this one, right? I mean, I, I realize he's making a lot of money. And if you don't want to watch him beat the crap out of Avni Yildirim on Saturday night, don't. Watch something else. Go Well, you can't really go out a whole lot with the pandemic. Do something else. Mm. No one's making you watch it. And if he winds up fighting five times in 12 months, I mean, give me a break. That's, Even four. Yeah. But right? well, I mean, if he, yeah. if he goes through December, like... Right, yeah, that would be five, five times. Five to 12 months, course, like, yeah. just you, you go and do it. And by the way, Keith, I'm, you know, you, you got to give Avni his title shot. He earned it. He earned this opportunity. <laughs> in, his, in his defense... Um, and I'm not saying this because I don't want a Met owner to come screaming into the room. Um, <laughs> Stop the hall. In his defense, he the ending to the Anthony Durrell fight two years ago was controversial, right. I guess, right? I mean, it was a technical decision. The cut was bad. Yep. The cut was bad over Durrell's left eye. But he was winning on one of the scorecards. Mm-hmm. Durrell was winning by closer scores on the other two cards. And they did agree to give him a title shot another title shot, and then eventually made him the mandatory thereafter. So he's been owed this title. He hasn't fought since then. He's only had, Which I mean, is my a, bigger problem. Imagine going into... Well, he didn't want to take any... He thought he was going to fight Benavidez last year, and then yeah. he had shoulder surgery, and then he was supposed to fight Benavidez, and they, of course the pandemic happened, yeah. and it changed everything. So that part is... you know That's kind of why it's gotten to two years. But could you imagine being him? Like, you've been knocked out in the third round by Chris Eubank Jr., and you're going to fight Canelo Alvarez, who's just tearing through everyone on a two-year layoff? New I trainer. Mean, wow. a new tra- Yeah, a, a very good trainer. <laughs> good a very good trainer. But, I mean, woof, that, that's a tall order on, uh, on Saturday night. But sure. that, but that I, I kind of understand that to an extent because he's been the mandatory for a long time. He's owed the shot, whether you think he's a worthy challenger or not. The WBC, in this case, is following its rules, and, and, and it was all part of the agreement for Canelo, so it's not something that was sprung upon him thereafter. You know? Yeah, and the last thing on the sanctioning bodies, like if you're Teofimo Lopez, if well, the next few months like you can make peace with top rank and you can decide, like, hey, listen, Taylor Ramirez in May or whenever it's going to be, you get the winner of that, like, don't pay the sanctioning fees, man. Just, like, walk away from all of them. Like, yeah. t- let, uh, you know, Cambosis fight for whatever sanction whatever belt he wants to fight for like you know we've seen that happen before i think canelo yeah. even did it actually where he just said i'm i'm good with this title i think it was the wbc title or uh what do you yeah. fought koto maybe or one of those mm-hmm. and like i think like i would if i was him i wouldn't i mean protect your money man like if if, if these belts are not going to be around your waist in six months anyway like why bother paying x thousands of dollars to do it chris that's that's the crazy thing about this like he if I thought that Tiafimo Lopez was going to remain at 135 pounds for two years, and there were real opportunities for him to, to make do a the Bernard fights, Hopkins type thing, keep right. it all, yeah, yeah, and to fight Haney and to or to fight Gervonta Davis or Ryan Garcia or two of them or three of them, then I would understand it more. But he's going to pay probably close to five hundred thousand dollars for the sanctioning fees for this fight against George Cambosis that no one wants to see exactly. Um, and then he's going to give them all up. And I mean, think what you can now. If you sat down and asked Tiafimo Lopez, couldn't you find more? Thi- you know, I'm a, eventually maybe have some children or whatever. But five hundred thousand dollars could educate two of your children, even with whatever college costs in twenty years or whatever. You probably could educate two kids and send them to like great <laughs> private universities for five hundred thousand dollars. For what? For what? In the long term, for what? 
I'm with you. Meanwhile, George Campos is going to drive up to this event in a Ferrari. <laughs> he's now well, a millionaire. Well, all the power to him because that's it's a you know he, that's a big win for him. Lou DeBello uh, is going to helicopter in with the money he made <laughs> off it. I think I heard Lou popping champagne all the way here from Miami. I think I heard it too. So. Well, be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, a wild purse bid, the wild uh, 24 hours afterwards. Keith, good to see you, man. Enjoy uh, Saturday, however long it may last, with Canelo and Yildirim. Yeah, you too, Chris. Thanks, man. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.